Hello, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. We have a wonderful guest for you today. Actually, one of my favorite people on the planet and beyond, witch, fairy, sir, author, and one of the most magical humans, oh, beyond human, Orion Foxwood. Yes, we have Orion. Wait till you hear him just talk. You'll just melt like I do. But before we bring on Orion, where's Patty? Where's Patty? Because as you know, if I don't look on my calendar, I have no idea where I wake up in the morning. And that's not as fun as it sounds. Uh, <laughs> or maybe it is. Um, I'm home. If you are listening or watching this on the week of January 9th, 2023, the week we first drop with this new episode, I'm home. I am home for a couple more weeks, but I've got lots of great stuff coming up. Um, so if you are home and you want to watch me Tuesday, tomorrow, if you catch this before Tuesday, for my class for University Magicus, I'm doing something a little different. I'm doing readings. I'm doing group readings. So if you've always said, wow, I'd like a reading from Patty, but I don't want to pay for that much or commit to a full reading, I'm doing very, very affordable readings Tuesday night on Zoom. Um, and it'll be fun. It's something very different. So you can kind of feel me out to see if it's something you want to book or not. But it's a great affordable way to get a reading with me in a small, intimate, fun group. Just go to universitymagicus.com. We've got some amazing stuff coming up, some amazing new teachers. We're getting, we have all new software getting put in and put together. So all sorts of fun things. So see you on the Zoom screen if nowhere else. And of course, um, time to make some travel plans because the first thing that I have up is in LA. I'm in LA. I don't have to travel, but some of you do. It is time for the Endless Night Vampire Ball. It is one of the funnest events all year. You know, I go to almost all of them all over the world with Father Sebastian and some of my dearest vampire friends. But this is the LA Ball. We are at the Globe Theater downtown. It's a big, one of those old classic movie theaters where the seats have been taken out. And we have live music and bands and DJs and magic and ritual. Um, you can find out everything at endlessnight.com. And it's several days of fabulous events before it and after it. The ball itself is the 19th, but it's a whole weekend of vampire, elegant, beautiful fun. So I hope to see you there. Um, come to my hometown. <laughs> or if you're here already, just join us. It's great. The official hotel for those out of town is the Biltmore. We've got the Biltmore downtown, which is right there by where we are. It's a beautiful, very haunted, very old skill element. You you may have seen me filming at the Biltmore a lot with um, Elton Castillo, the, um, the overnight guys. It's beautifully haunted and our official hotel of the Endless Night Ball. When I get back from that, almost immediately, I will be hitting the dark water cruise to the Caribbean, which join me for that because I've never been on the Caribbean cruise. And we're going to be there with the wraith chasers and all sorts of fun, amazing people, including my partner in Paraflix, Natalie Jones, will be there and all sorts of great people. Um, and then I've got Six in the Spring coming up, which is a fundraiser paracon. Um, that all sorts of fun people are doing as well. And I've got like another almost dozen things to list, but I'm not going to list them here because you won't remember and I won't remember and I don't have them written down. But if you haven't already, sign up for my newsletter at pattynegri.com 
and you can book a reading there, of course, but sign up for my newsletter. I promise you, I do not bombard you. I promise you, you'll hear from me every two months, maybe, but I do list really fun things that I am doing and links to all my events and shows and things that you can come see me both on television, on YouTube and live, live, live. So pattynegri.com for that. And that also will lead you to my YouTube page where I teach bunches of classes free. We put this on on video. So you'll see the YouTube page. You will see my magic lessons and all sorts of fun things. Um, other than that, Wednesday night, you got to join us, which is movie coven. Grab your popcorn, grab your drink, sit down at your computer, your phone, your laptop, your smart device of any sorts. Let's talk movies. And I'm there with the best of the best of movie people. I'm with Heather Green and Jason Mankey and Richard Lyle Lillard and Courtney Buckley. And we talk movies. We don't always agree. We rarely agree, which makes it more fun. But we want your opinion just as much as ours. So you guys, since it's live, are part of the conversation. We want you going, I hate that movie. I love that movie. Wands up, wands down. Wands up, wands down. So join us Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern, and wherever in the middle, Central and Mountain, for the Witches Movie Coven. Grab your Witches Movie Coven blankie, sweater, hoodie, or t-shirt, because now we do have some pretty famous and fabulous merch that you can wear us, um, including some black Philip merch. And you're going, who's Black Philip? If you're saying, who's Black Philip? Then you haven't watched the Witches Movie Coven yet. So watch the Witches Movie Coven because you do want to watch movies deliciously, don't you? Ah, that's Where's Patty. I'm home. Come join me. <laughs>
All right. So I need you guys' advice. How do you make a dog appreciate the lovely mist, the lovely rain? And it's not even that hard as compared to the rest of the country. I keep telling her, if you lived everywhere where all that snow is, what would you do? If you lived anywhere where... So she doesn't know how good she's got it, but she's a bit spoiled. So you, you guys can put it on a list. You could put it wherever this is posted, on the YouTube or on Facebook. How do I get her to appreciate the rain? Because I love it. Now, she is a dachshund and she is low to the ground. So even the lightest of sprinkle, a little rain slicker on top of her back doesn't do it. She needs underbelly coating. She definitely needs, and they do not make underbelly coating for dachshunds because then she can't go out there and do her business. So I do understand that she gets cold. Yes, you tell them. You tell them. You don't like the rain. But anyway, this is Willow Report. Rain, rain, go away. But we need it much this day. So I could write a whole poem, but I'm not going to. But how did you get your dog to appreciate the rain? Help. Say help, Willow. Say help. Help. <laughs> oh, oh, kisses. She likes to kiss, though. That's the Willow Report. See you next week. Okay, today's magic lesson, we are going back to money. Because this time of year, <laughs> we've gone through the holidays. We've done some gift giving, depending on whatever you celebrate. We've done lots of extra partying and going out. And all of a sudden, it's like, ah, we need money. So I'm going to revisit some of my favorite, favorite money-changing ideas. The first thing I want everybody to know is money is easy and money is fun. We've turned money into this big, almighty, the almighty dollar. I mean, we usually even use terms like that, which is ridiculous. It's not almighty. It's just an energy exchange. And if you look at it such, especially if you magical practitioners and witches and shamans and manifestors out there, you could manifest a sandwich, you can manifest money. Same thing. Energy, energy, energy. But because our Western thinking and we think it has to be hard, that's what we have to change. So the first thing I do suggest everybody to do, and I'm not even going to talk about it now, is my dollar money spell. That is the best dollar you are ever going to spend. I promise I've been doing it for decades and it works every time. You are going to, yes, sacrifice something, a dollar bill. Now, yes, it's illegal. Yes, it's a bit of a felony, but I promise you won't get in trouble for it. Uh, just don't, you know, try to turn it in for new money. But if you really feel bad about burning a real dollar bill, you could use play money, but I highly recommend the real stuff. The play money will work, though, because we're changing our thought pattern. We're going to change our thought pattern. You can look at that on my newsletters. You could look at the YouTube of that on my YouTube page, which you can get to from my website, pattynegri.com. I am not going to explain it here. It is also in my book, Old World Magic for the Modern World. So you can find it free and otherwise. But here's some other things I want you guys to do to help change your attitude about money. I've said this before, but who has money for money's sake? Who has an easy time with money? Leprechauns. Leprechauns like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? Money for money's sake is fun. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to make it into this big important meaning. It's a pot of gold. So everybody needs to get a leprechaun money pot. What's that, you say? Yes, you can buy a little pot, especially around, you know, St. Patty's Day, the little plastic things, even at the dollar store. 
or you can get an envelope or a little box or anything that that's your leprechaun money part. And you're going to start collecting money. I, when I started doing it, I had a $1 bill and I decided I was going to collect $100 bills. So I wrote two zeros on my $1 bill and stuck it in there. And whenever you can stick a little money in there and it will grow. Now, every once in a while, you have to play with your money because that's what leprechauns do. You have to dump your money out, whether it's in a pot or a box or an envelope. And yes, it's a little silly and it's a little hard when you have one or two dollar bills and three quarters in there. But do it anyway. I want you to throw that money up. I want you to roll around it and go money, easy money. Now money come to me. Money's easy. Money's at the end of every rainbow money. It is mine. Make it up. Say, be silly. Act like an eight year old child who's playing with your favorite toy. Money easy, money now, money it is mine. Come up with something. And then you put it away. Um, right now, there is not a time I don't have exactly what I need in my, my leprechaun money pot. It doesn't matter if it's like, ooh, $300, you need a new gadget or this or that. Or two years back, I'm like, my deck is falling down. I need how many thousands of dollars? It's in my money pot. Because you're changing your thought pattern. You are collecting some. And then you have the magic of the leprechauns helping it grow, grow, grow. You will be surprised. So definitely do that. Leprechaun money pot or envelope or box or what, a sock, whatever it is. But expect it to grow and it will. Another one of my favorite money things to do is refrigerator magic. Yep, you always want to have cold, hard cash, don't you? That means you have to have some money in your refrigerator. So get nine $1 bills. I know it's hard to have cash anymore. Nobody does, but go to the bank if you have to. Get nine $1 bills. I like the crispy ones. And then get some red ribbon or string or twine in either nine or 18 inches. This is a feng shui thing, but I like to take from every philosophy and, and cosmology that we can. So take your nine $1 bills, wrap them in nine or 18 inches of red string, red ribbon, red twine. And you're going to, with the intent that you always have cold, hard cash, you always have the money that you need and the money that you want for things. Put it in the back left side of your refrigerator, way back. Do not put it in the freezer. You don't want to freeze your money because then all of a sudden your money gets frozen. You freeze things like people who bother you, but not money. You don't want to freeze it, but you do want to put it in the back left corner of your refrigerator. It's a nice uh, discussion point for people who come over and wonder why you have money in your refrigerator. I've never had anybody steal it or anything like that from anybody who's done it. But it reminds you psychologically that, oh, you open it. I always have cash on me. I always, that belief system creates the reality. You've got the mind, body, spirit of psychology and basic manifestation. Mind, you've put those dollars in there and you just said, and you've stated, I always have the money that I need and want. Mind, body, you've taken action. They are sitting there. You see them every time you open the refrigerator. And the spirit is the magic and the spell that you're doing when you put them in there. So in creation working dispatch words, which are the more witchy words for a spellcraft, creation working dispatch is the same thing as mind, body, spirit. So give it a try. It costs you $9 that you always get back. But keep them in your refrigerator. I do. Um, create yourself a leprechaun money pot. Do my dollar spell if you are so inclined. And then do lots of little things that just mean money to you. I can tell you stones, you know, green stones, gold stones, candle, green stones, gold stones, whatever means money to you. 
buy some green panties, green underwear. You know I'm the panty girl because I've got your business color panties, your dark blue panties, your love panties. You're going out for some big money, get some green panties, if green means money to you. If it's gold or shiny silver, do that. Your truth beats the truth, if there is a truth. Remember, it's your head and your world and your magic, and you create it. Let's make 2023 an abundant money easy, money comes to me year. I'm wearing green. <laughs> See? Money. Easy. Money come. Try it. I promise. Lots of good stuff. Money magic. Hello and Happy New Year, everybody. This is Patty Negri and welcome to the Witching Hour. Yep, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. And we have some of the most magical magic I know and one of the most magical, magical persons I have ever met in my life. I'm honored to call him friend. I've studied with him. I love him. Let me introduce you to Orion Foxwood. He is an elder in the tradition... He is an elder in the traditional craft, a Southern and Appalachian conjure man, a carrier, collector, writer, and caster of spoken charms, a fairy sale a seer, and a self-styled eco-magical activist. I don't even know what that means. I could list about 48 things because I found about 52 bios on him, but truly one of the most magical, well-spoken, magical-worded people I have ever met. Welcome, Orion. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be on here. You know I'm a big fan. So Thank you. And, and I of you. Uh, we met several, several years ago at a local here in Los Angeles store at the Green Man, and I've taken some classes. I've done a little bit of ritual with you at the beach. Mm -hmm. And this is your third year, I think, doing our New Year's show. So you're our only peak customer on this, our, our, our guest. So um, what better way to start the New Year than with you? <laughs> I feel blessed to be on here, you know. Thanks. Hey, you so, mentioned my little title, Eco-Magical Activist, is because yeah, I'm the only so. one. It's, well, it's a term. One day I was thinking about uh, something that really encapsulated what I'm about. And, and really, eco-magical activist was it, because for me, everything is for the love of Earth, mm -hmm. bottom line, for the love of Earth. I'm in love with this planet, always have been. And so, uh, and I believe all witches should be, you know, and we should put our power behind protecting this Earth, which needs protecting right now. And um, it's, it's the best Earth we got and the only Earth we got. It's the Earth of all our ancestors. So, so I put my magic behind that. So that's why I call it eco-magical and activism because I try to shake up the world with a little bit of magic with muscle. I love that. I'm, I'm one of those now too. I too am an eco-magical activist <laughs> following in your footsteps. And we, oh. do, we have to, if we don't save this beautiful little planet of ours. And I do notice that more and more people are either, whether in our craft or not, are more and more aware of the elemental kingdom, of people who, yeah. you know, fairies, more popular than ever, besides witchcraft being more popular. P people I've noticed that, like, are maybe more new age and this and that, they're going, I saw a gnome. A gnome was real. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, you know, it's funny with, with, with fairy tradition and with witchcraft. Like one year I was, I was at a friend's uh, uh, shop out in Santa Cruz, Serpent's Kiss. Wonderful, wonderful place. And I was with Susan and these little kids came in, right? And so I'm in the back doing stuff. I think I was doing readings that day or something. 
And so the, these two, a little boy, little girl, very young, maybe, maybe five or six. So they look back there and Susan sees them look back there and the parents see them look and they go, and she goes, what you're looking at? I said, who's he? What's he? She mm -hmm. said, he's a witch. He's an elf witch. They go. And so they said, can we go back and see him? She goes, I think so. She goes, he really likes to bless kids. And so the parents bring them back. And they're going, are you really an elf witch? I said, I am. They said, do you have pointed ears? I said, look. And I do actually have pointed ears. And so uh, they, they look. They said, can we touch? I said, yes, we do it delicately and make a wish. And they made a wish. I did a little blessing on them, gave them a little stone. And their parents said, their parents were wonderful. They said, they'll never forget this day for the rest of their lives. So I think it is incumbent, both fairy and witchcraft both have something in them. And that is something that every child and every adult hopes for. And that is magic and the innocence of the world again. And that, as my elders said, where there is magic, there is hope. Yeah. You know, and I think that we have to be that. I, I, and this is a charge I put out there to all witches. When you encounter children, heck, when you encounter uh, adults, you know, often there's the fear of us. And that's all propaganda. And we know that's all crap. But yeah. deep down inside, you find a lot of people go, I always wanted to meet a witch. And I knew witches were good. I knew it. I knew it. You know, and, and it's very sweet. So I think we hold, in a way, a fairy tale type magic. And I think that we hold this, this my people hope that magic is real. Yeah. You know, and uh, I always say that miracles, that's our job. You know? It, it is. And people have to be able to escape. I hear it all the time. Just there has to be more than what you see here on this TV screen, on this thing. What's going on in the world? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And yeah, there's more. There's sparkles, there's fairies, there's magic. We can oh, take yeah. control. You don't have to be a victim to everything it's, or anything for that matter. So You know, we, uh, I have a saying and it was, we were, we were born to paint the truth of our spirit onto the canvas of form, not to be trapped in another's painting. You know, and the sooner we come out of that amnesia, that illusion of isolation, which is really what kills us, we can wake up to the fact that we are an extension of the universe. We're the, well, I have this actually, this little saying, and uh, I wrote it, I guess it was a couple of years ago, when I was, uh, I was studying some about iron. And you know, all iron is made when stars burn out. That's the only way iron is made. And that includes the iron in the earth came from meteorites and the iron in our blood. So I, I thought, you know, sometimes when we're looking up at a star and it's shining, it's caught our attention. And we're like, I wonder if I came from there. I wonder if the star is looking at you going, I wonder if I've become them. So I wrote up this little ditty. It's we are stars with human feet encountering starlight and all we meet. Know this. Grow this and ignite, and the stars will guide you through the darkest night. And we have to know that we are the stars looking back at themselves. You know, and one, and a lot of people don't know this too that the word universe, universa, means one song. Really? One song. And we are notes in that song. And I think this, this time on the planet, 
is not about dimming down. It's about rising up. You know, life is not waiting for us to catch up. It's waiting for us to get all the way in. And we're not born to go on low beam. We're born to go on high beams because the universe has never been you before. Not the you you are now. No. And I like that about a song because sound, song, music is such magic. And you are the most musical even speaker mm. again that I've ever met. Your rhymes, your charms and everything. And there's magic within that itself. So Thank maybe you. that sound is just so much even more apart than so many people realize as we have the news in the yeah. background and everything. We got to mind our breath. You know, when we breathe, this is another couple of things to think about. When we breathe, breath is the beginning of all existence, or I should say the exhalation of the void. It was the beginning of all creation. You know, that's the divine word. So when we, right now, as we breathe, right, our lips are on the mouth of eternity. Really, literally, our mouth is on the lips of space. There's nothing between us and space. Of course, we're made up of mostly space. And so we breathe in, we're breathing in eternal presence. When we breathe out, we're releasing into the mouth of eternal presence uh, the uh, the fetters, the, the limitations. I always uh, put a charm on mine. With every breath I take and release, I cast a spell of love and peace. You know, and, um, you know, and the breath, what we breathe into being, you know, breath is the horse that starlight rides. You know, so we ignite things into existence when we breathe for eternity, because th this is the mouth, named that Orion's mouth, right? Which is a, a specific mouth on the face of eternity, right? Because we're the expression of the universe. We're just, you know, we're the universe with human feet. We're uh, born of a benevolent conspiracy between, I always say, the high father and the deep mother. Oh. You know, and here we are. And... Uh, I'm a little arrogant about it. I tell people all the time, do you know who my mother is? And they're like, huh? I said, she is the matrix of matter and empress of eternity. That makes me heir to everything. <laughs> you know? But humbly said, we, we have got to awaken. And I hope this year it really awaken as conscious creators. Can I continue to create by default? Uh, can't continue to surrender to the song of sorrow we were born from? You know, we've got to seize the reins of our own spirit and make a decision that we, what we want this world to be and, and how we want it to be a healing, good world for all of us, not just some of us, you know? Yes. Amen. <laughs> so what do you think? I know. It's like, yes, I've been sure. Um, so what do you think now? We are, you know, this COVID thing continues. We are coming out of it. But speaking of breath and everything we've spent a couple of years with masks and things on. So do you, I mean, how do you think that's affected us negatively, positively to come out of it? Maybe a lesson. I, I think, I, well, I, I think I, I have a sense of what the spirits that be want for us from it. And then for some, it was good for some, it was bad. I think mostly good. Uh, like one of the ways I used to, but every time, well, staying home was to protect my breath and the breath of those I live with, right? My beloved. But when I would go out into the world, I would wear the mask to protect all those I do not know. 
not just protect me from all those I do not know, but protect. So I thought of it as a type of grail. Every time I went to put this mask on, I would stop and look at it and think, this reminds me that all of us dip into and drink from the same well, and that being the well of breath itself. And by wearing this, I reaffirm my connectedness to all of humanity and all of other all of life. So I'm hopeful, and, and for a lot of people, I think this is true, that the, the virus caused us, A, to realize that we've got to care for our elders, number one. Uh, we have to care for the breath. You know, and caring for my breath is to care for your breath because we're breathing from the same environment, right? It paused us and made us stay home, recenter and connect. And in some ways, many ways, I looked at our apartment like a fort, our fortress, right, against um, getting ill. And so I found myself being grateful, grateful, grateful for it, you know. But above all, if we don't get the lesson that we are all children of one mother, sister and brother, human and other, if we don't get that lesson, I fear there will be worse things coming. If we get it, it's the beginning of then, because if we can't heal each other, how are we going to heal our world? And how are we going to grow the consciousness that it'll take to prevent the ecosystem from collapsing? Because already we, we've have, we have serious storms coming yeah. and the damage, you know, done. And so they are, the scientists have already said we're at the beginning of an extinction event. Whether we can stop it or not, we're unsure. One thing COVID taught us, we can do a global response. The first time in the history of this world, we did a global response to something. Wow, I never thought of that. Right, we did. Yeah. That's how the vaccine people keep asking me, how'd they get the vaccine so quick? I said, when you have all the science of the world at your fingertips, you, uh, what else can we come up with? Imagine. Imagine. So if we can put that same mind to work to preserve our earth, which I think we need to start doing some quarantine time just to lay off of our, our, our impact on the earth. You know, we didn't shut down. We have the Internet. Thank you. you know, thank you, Mother Fate, for that. And um, I think we learned a lot. I think we did. Living in Los Angeles, I remember when it first came down and everybody didn't know what it was. And the towns were a ghost town You driving down Los Angeles. And I remember the first announcement, they said, um, L.A., Los Angeles had like the best air quality ever. Let me hear just. Ring the bell. This is just this is no ordinary bell. Of course, it. this is a Cornish Pisky bell. Oh, that's a traditional image of the Cornish Pisky. This is close to, this is about a hundred years old. So tell us what is a Cornish, yeah. Well, in, in, in Cornwall, uh, the, the fairy tradition there centers around these um, little beings called a Pisky. And that's the original spelling for what we now know as Pixie, right? And these Pixies are, Piskies are very powerful. They're small, but some say they have the strength of a hundred men, each one. Well, when I was in Cornwall, we went to the, and this was, uh, been there a couple of times, we were in the cave of Merlin's Cave in Tintagel. And I saw the Piskies crawling all over with these eyes, not with the third eye, with this one, these ones. And they were crawling all over the place. And they saw me seeing them. 
and they were great. And so I saw them there and at a couple other places in Cornwall. So for years now, I've been fascinated with that particular fairy tradition. So I've been collecting these little pisky images. It used to, they, they still do them, but there was the original guy who did them would take them to a sacred well, bless them, and they were numbered. And each one was blessed so that it was imbued with one of the spirits. So when you buy these old ones, which are, you know, they're harder to find, but me, I'm collecting them. I adore them. And so my pisky bell is to keep those uh, chaotic spirits at bay, you know. Good, good. I guess I need to find myself a pisky bell. I love that. I'll watch Uh, out for one for you. Okay, please do. Let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I will get it. Yeah, I'm a bell girl. I have bells and chimes everywhere. Again, that sound thing is is my thing. Oh, then I should tell you about the tongueless bell, the silent bell. The tongueless bell was something I learned about in our craft tradition. And that is you get a bell, usually it's an old bell, and you take the clapper out, right, the ringer part. It never is to ring again. You then dedicate that to working with the ancestors. Isn't that incredible? I have a bell that I lost the clapper and I thought, I, I, I still have it. I think I still have it. And I was so sad. Now I'm going to be happy. Can I? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And it rings in the fairy realms. There's a, a saying uh, that uh, was it uh, topsy turvy, topsy turvy. Up, but down is up and up is women. Topsy turvy, topsy turvy. Up is down and down is up. The bell becomes the witch's cup. So there's a there's a whole mystery between the bell uh, and the cup. And, and in some old covens, they would, as a bell, even take the chalice, turn it upside down and ring it by, by hitting it with the blade, you know. And so the tongueless, isn't that nice? The tongueless bell then is dedicated to the ancestors and the underworld. I got to go because- find that tongueless bell. Because if it had a tongue, it, it has rang in this world. And then when you, and you remember that sound, and then when you take the clapper out, when you ring it, you hear it in the inner world as you're ringing it, but no one hears it in the outer. I'm not so neat. excited. I'm going to run upstairs right now. No, I'm not going to run. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ring my underworld and other world bell much more regularly. Because I knew I had to keep it and I knew it was special, but I didn't know why. Well, you're a natural witch. You knew. You just knew. Yeah, you're like, I, yeah, right. It's sitting on my piano, actually. But now I could take away that little bit of sadness and for for joy. Isn't oh, absolutely. It's been reborn. It's everything. How now, what I would do with it is cleanse it, right? And then there's something I can't remember. I think it's Lakush or something. I learned this in New Orleans voodoo. A friend of mine taught me this. Whenever you clean certain tools and maybe you're repurposing them for something else. Then you put them for a period of time, at least a few nights, maybe even a week or a month even. Uh, you lay them in their own bed and put them to sleep on a bed of, of cleansing herbs and peaceful herbs. Let them go to sleep. And then you take them out and you rename them. Oh. And they're reborn. Isn't that fun? It is. And so romantic and so magical. And yes, I'm going to go find my bell and put it to bed. Sleep nicely. 
Thank you. So all of my people out there listening and watching are going, oh, my God, I love this man. (laughs) That's why we have them on every single year. So now we are at the new year. What are some of the things that you do have specific rituals or practices, both ending a year, protection, stepping into the new year? What are some of your magic? Absolutely. Can I do a quick blessing as we go into that? It would be honored. This is one of the old fairy ones. Stand I at the crossroads. At the place between night and day, and with my witch's finger open I the fairy way, and stand I at the crossroads, at the place between life and death, and bless I now each one of you with my witch's breath. May this breath go out to all who hear and all who need, and bring you health, wisdom, and wealth, the divine three. And as my word, so mote it be. Let this be written into the book of the law that none may rend asunder as it is, was, and ever shall be. Thank you. I can Thank feel you. it. Thank you. Oh, bless you. Thank you. The new year. All giddy. <laughs> All right. So, and where do we go from here? There's so much I want to say. There's just so much to be said about it. And uh, one of those things is um, January itself is actually named after an ancient Roman god, Janus, hmm. which uh, you, it looks like it's spelled Janus. I, 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 yeah, you hear me okay? Yep. Okay, uh, Janus, and, and, and the month, of course, being January. Okay. And so... Uh, it is said that to carry any image of Janus, especially if you have a Janus coin, which you have to order those, and that would take a while to get to you, um, to uh, carry uh, anything of Janus's on you uh, uh, is good luck during New Year's. Now, I highly advise people to do this. Ya- January, Janus is one of the few ancient gods whose worship never stopped. Did you know that all of the practices that we do for uh, for New Year's, uh, the making of New Year's resolutions, mm-hmm. the uh, even the importance of midnight shifting over from New Year's Eve to New Year's, the toasting, all of that is associated with the devotion to Giannis. So that means for years, whether you know it or not, the things you've been doing at that time have been ancient practices uh, in praise to this particular divinity. Um, they call him, I think it's like uh, Deum Devorum or something like that. But basically the name means the God of gods. This is a very interesting divinity to know about. And it was Julius Caesar who, when he converted the calendar over to the Julian calendar, um, that uh, made uh, January the first uh, the first of the uh, first, the beginning of this year, because it used to be the Ides of March, which is March 15. Now, it's kind of nice to know, uh, and then I've got lots of other things to say on this, on, on this stuff to do, that there are two divinities that were worked with, one at March 15th, one at January 1st. And, uh, and these two divinities uh, give us some insight into time, because a lot of the mysteries of January is about time, but isn't all of the mysteries of the craft about time, whether that's solar time, 
uh, lunar time. It's really all, all time is, time in the way we think of it, is the uh, percent of the Earth's rotational that it takes a photon to get to Earth from the, uh, from the edge of the sun when it leaves it, right? And that's how we measure, say, an Earth minute, an Earth hour, an Earth you know, day. And so when we think of time, and we're going to have to start really thinking about this a different way as we travel through space, because time is different on each planet. And so an aging would be different on each planet. Um, and so Giannis is about the thresholds of time, right? Giannis is uh, the, the god of the doorways. So one of the things you would want to do at New Year's is to stand in any doorway that you want and make wishes or call out for blessings in Giannis's name or call out to Giannis. In fact, Giannis, in, according to the Numa, which is ancient Roman religion, um, nothing begins without first giving praise to, to Giannis. Nothing, literally no ritual, no day, no endeavor. So not just at New Year's. New Year's is to ask from the bless your year. But there's also another time to ask another being, and that's March 15th. So uh, Giannis, as we go into the New Year's, uh, to keep him in mind, he is the God that has one head, two faces, right? But that's one form of him. That's Giannis Bifrons. There's Giannis Quadrifrons, too, which he sees all four directions. Now, this, is, this divinity is so interesting. Uh, and some would say some aspects of him was a prototype for how many see uh, Jesus today. Giannis was a man, and he was the king of Latium, which was a city before Rome. Latium prospered under his rule, and he was very much a god of peace, or a king of peace. Now, the old story says that how he got the two faces, and this is the face that looks to the past and the face that looks to the future, right? He's the ever-present, is that when Kronos was ousted, right, the, the old story of Kronos eating his children, that's really about time eats its children, and hence, you know, they die and that sort of thing. So with uh, the onset of the Olympians, the Olympians were uh, about culture and, uh, you know, the libraries, the universities, uh, civilization. So now we're talking about how humans marshal time for productivity. So, and that's very much uh, what Zeus was a god of. Uh, so, uh, well, I was going somewhere with that. So... Uh, when Zeus uh, ousted Kronos, uh, which incidentally, this was done when Kronos was still munching down his children, and the goddess Rhea wrapped up a stone in swaddling clothes, this sounds familiar, doesn't it, and threw the stone to Kronos and said, here's the baby Zeus, I found him, and Kronos quickly, nom, nom, you know, because that's, I guess, what time does, <laughs> and so, uh, and then, you know, Zeus sliced him open and got the gods out of him. But the thing that people often don't notice about that story, first of all, is that, and then back to Giannis, is that she threw a stone. A stone is the only thing impervious to time. The elements will shape a stone, but like if you have a meteor, and I have meteorites here, a meteor is often billions of years old, not millions, right? Yeah. So, the so to know the mysteries of stones 
is to understand the mysteries of timelessness, you know, and how time can become impervious, right? Yeah. So we stand between two types of time that we want to understand. One is time marshaled in bits, right? Whether that's a year, an hour, uh, a minute, a second. Giannis is connected to the thresholds of time, which is why the doorway, the gateway. In fact, his temple is just a giant gateway, right? Mm. And uh, it's op when it's open, they would be at war. When it's closed, they're at peace. Containment then versus non-containment. Peace and war. Really, it's a really interesting divinity. How he became a divinity, by the way, was Kronos. Then he's been ousted, but he's immortal, right? So he's wandering the land now, and he comes to uh, Latium, and he meets Krona, I mean, meets uh, the king of Latium, who was Giannis at that time, still a human. And in the legend, Giannis says, come, uh, God should not be rule, uh, wondering about, you're a holy one. Come sit on my throne and rule with me. And so now time and mankind become come together. That's why he has two faces. One is also human and one is of the old God. One is young, the new year, the old year. Now time is a friend to, to humanity and not one wandering lost or a devourer. It's an incredible mystery. And then now Giannis, <laughs> this God that is, is not, he's a lesser known God as, as these uh, ancient gods go, but yet he's one of the most important. He's the one they called on before all of them because he's opened the way and he's also the man God. Sounds familiar too? Yeah, so, <laughs> these stories are really, <laughs> really incredible. But then there's another divinity to know about and that's Anna Perenna. And Anna Perenna, the short of that is Anna meaning annual year, Perenna, perennial, the, the eternal year, right? So one is of the eternal never stopping uh, year. And then of the other one is of the marshaled year. Uh, so these are two divinities I'd highly recommend people look into. They're, they're incredible. Um, so we have this practice in, in, in my tradition and, and it happens right at, uh, right at the turn of the year. Okay, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of those. One of them is you have a meal prepared. You know how we all celebrate New Year's, right? And then uh, often we munch and we, well, we toast and we munch. But then one of the things that I do is I'll stop. And I'll go, did y'all hear that? And some people, if they're new to it, they won't know. Be, no, what was it? What, what? There was a knock at the door. I didn't hear it, but the folks who are here know about it go, I heard it. I said, I'll go get it. I think I know who it is. Now, you should already have a plate prepared, setting uh, there at your table, the drink and with uh, food on it on the plate. And you go to the door and open and go, hello, spirit of good fortune and prosperity. I was hoping you would come. Come on in, please. We set up a feast for you. Come in and party and join with us. And in fact, stay with us all year. That's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. And that simple practice. And then what you do is from time to time, you make sure you give a little food, give a little, you know, some kind of offering. 
to the spirit of prosperity and well-being. You know, you get what you court. It's like I travel a lot and people often show me their altars. And one of the first things I look for is, you know, the magic, uh, the, the magic you make is the magic that makes you. You know, what you conjure conjures you. Mm-hmm. So if in the course of being there, they've said, well, you know, maybe money's not doing so good or maybe love has in common. I really want a lover and, you know, all the different things that we humans might want. And so when I see their altar, I'll be and I look around their home, I'll say, so where are they in your family? And they will. What do you mean? I said, you have to court what you want. We are what we believe we are. Right. We are. Uh, we, I heard this guy, it was wonderful, it was on Instagram, and he was kind of a motivational speaker, and he was a former NFL player. And he said, when we are born, we're born in the shape of our parents. But when we die, we die in the shape of our choices. Mm. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And see, magic is about the art of conscious creation. When you're working magic, you're basically saying, uh, and this is the way I describe it when I teach conjure, and conjure has a a slight Christian version to it because it was a syncretic practice. I say the conjure worker, the conjure worker understands it's made in the likeness and image of the divine that made it, and therefore should be able to do many of the things the divine does, but with supervision and at a lesser scale, of course. So uh, the divine is... uh, So to do magic is to live the divine imprint that we are. If we are in any way made in the image of that which made us, then we've got to free that out of us because the universe, the divine, whatever you want to call it, God, God is all that is, has never been you before. Not to you, you are. Now, some years ago, uh, I I spoke to, in this this particular uh, time, I spoke to the, the Father God. And I, I asked him, I said, uh, is there any unforgivable sins? And he said, no, of course not. And I said, but there are things that make you weep. Because in the silent times of the night at the witching hour, I have heard God weep. And he went quiet. He said, yes, there are things that ma- there is things that make me weep. And I said, uh, like what? He said, when a person dies, never becoming itself, consciously, never ever allowing out from it the life that is in it to become itself, a piece of me dies forever and will never be. He goes, and that I weep. Isn't that potent? Wow. So... These times, these points, these rhythms, see things like New Year's or our birthdays or the days of the week or the the points along the lunar calendar or even if you're a witch, the eight Sabbaths and, uh, of the year. Yeah. Those are all about places in the rhythm of life, right? Because witches sensitize and synchronize with the rhythm of mother fate. And we know that there's these thresholds where the light of the heavens pours into the earth, rises up out to the horizon, forms are woven and then and may descend back into the earth again and back into the heavens and then come back down again. There's a constant cycle that goes on. So 
The New Year's time is a cycle that we've established in the human world. And it's a time for reflecting on what we've achieved in the year and what we didn't, uh, what we want and what we don't want. And so to do magic, like going to the doorway, and one thing I would advise people to do is cleanse your house if you can before do a spiritual cleansing of some types to your home to begin to move those things out that you don't want, right? Mm -hmm. See, magic is not about sitting around and going, well, whatever happens, whatever comes, you know, will be, will be. A, a witch says, <laughs> no. There's a balance between as thy will so mote it be and a balance between as my will so mote it be. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, um, and, and one of the prayers, in fact, in our tradition, uh, Lady Circe used to do this when she do magical working. She'd say, if I am right, help me to stay. If I am wrong, please show me the other way. You know, uh, to to ensure that she's, that she's right on, you know. So... So there's the thing at the, so you want to cleanse your house and begin to contemplate what, what is it? You've got this empty pot and, and that empty pot, that empty vessel, that new year approaching, what is it that you want to call from it and put into it, right? Uh, it was that saying, tis better to light a candle than to curse the darkness, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Right now, as we approach that threshold, we should be in deep contemplation. Now, what a lot of the old witches would do is between hollows, uh, really between hollows and Yule, because they'd be getting ready for Candlemas or Imbolc to uh, release or to birth outward, right, uh, what it was that they wanted to happen in their lives. But now would be the time to also spend some time in vision. Envisioning yourself falling deep into the memory of the world, down into the bed chambers where life and death are in an embrace. Because uh, this time, you know, especially on the East Coast, we see this, right? And that is, we see the leaves fall at fall, and we see, so life is going inward, right? Life is going from the Isle of Stone and Bone, or Isle of Stone and Bone, into the Isle of Recess and Dreams. And so uh, in the tradition, you allow yourself to fall like the fallen leaves or fall like the temperature and let yourself just fall down into the memory of the earth, into this, uh, into this sort of a open space that's in the earth, the underworld, where then you seek the world's soul. The world's soul is the great mother who has now fallen into her time of memory and dreaming. And the vision, as I was taught it, you, when you, you go into the underworld and you seek her, usually she's lying on a bed, a big bed, mm -hmm. and she's around, surrounded with all the dreams of the world, right? And they're hanging down and the, like these little uh, uh, kind of like ornaments, right? And she's guarded by the Lord of the underworld, you know, who's a giant, he's massive. Mm -hmm. And we simply say, I come in the name of the queen. But she's still sleeping and dreaming. Usually what will happen is he'll lift you up or something will fall down to you. One of those th little things that are hanging around her bed. And you take it and it will tell you what part of the dream of the soul of the world are you to carry out. Or is the dream for your year. And then you rise with that. 
that's called seeking the world's soul. Mm. Now, if if you envision that opening into the undercountry and you go down, uh, one of the traditional ways is you go down a spiral stairway made of hewn stone, worn smooth by all the ancient feet who have trod it. But when you rise back up, you rise up the golden stairway. So it's the stone down and the gold up, you know, which has to do with the purification of the self. I highly re uh, uh, recommend any magic worker on here to do that, to, uh, to allow themselves to fall down into the memory of the land, questing the great mother, the sleep or the sleeping child of promise that lies sleeping on a bed of blue flame, dreaming the world into existence. That's another uh, aspect of it, like the, the androgynous child, the child of the universe, the child that, that is the ever-renewing, ever-young, uh, like the Mabon child, uh, lying at the core of the world. See the seek, seek it in the version of uh, the, the ever-young child who is, is dreaming or the great mother who's dreaming. And see what part of, of the year is for you, you know? Now, anybody who has uh, something called a hagstone. Hagstones, let's see, I've got mine around my neck. Hopefully you can see it. Uh, and it's uh, a, what they call a self-bore stone, right? And these are stones that you often find uh, around the ocean. On the West Coast, I used to find them out in San Mateo, actually, on the beach there. But you can find them multiple places. If you can, you get the ones that are flint. Those are the ones that are the more durable but you can use any of them. And these stones were highly, highly prized uh, in pretty much all the ancient civilizations, all the way from Egypt, throughout the Isles, uh, even in many Native American traditions. And some call it the Holy Stone, the Odin Stone, the Witch Stone, the Self-Force Stone, it has a bunch of names. But because it is the space in it was formed, they used to think it was formed by water going through, but actually it's by these little mollusks that actually eat through the stone, would you believe? But the water is also involved and it's in water. And water in the ancient world was considered so pure, it would re reject anything that was impure. And that's why, unfortunately, it was used in the dunking of witches. But we know that that was sabotage from the beginning. There was right. no way she could win. But you take these stones, a self-bore, so any of you have them, use them. And if you don't have them, I go to your local store, go out to the Green Man store, go out to uh, Surplus Kiss. These folks are all over the world. <laughs> yep. Oh, they can get these all over the world. Go to Waterways or go on eBay. <laughs> eBay even has them. And so the tradition is that because the space that's in the middle is considered pure space because of its relationship to water. Now, the truth is these stones are earth because they're a stone. If you get a flint one, it's also fire because flint is used to ignite a spark and bring fire. It's also water because it has grown in the water and been, uh, you know, some of the bore boring of it's been by water and by this mollusk. And of course, it's stone. So all four of the elements are in it. And right as you cross into midnight, the tradition is that you take them and you speak into them because this is pure unclaimed space. Right, and you speak into them your wishes for this year. 
That's an old practice. I'm going to do that. I and you, I found some beautiful hagstones in the Southern California beaches. We have great oh, beaches, yeah. and I found beautiful ones. Oh, you can get gorgeous ones out there. I've seen big ones too. Uh, there's, I'm actually putting together a workshop uh, that I'll be teaching soon about the hagstones. Uh, these are about as traditional as witchcraft gets. Uh, these were so valued, and the, the lore on them is so much more than people realize. So now there's also a tradition that because it is New Year's, it's the time of a potentiality that sometimes the bad spirits, the spirits associated with the year that you don't want, right? Maybe or the things that you don't want may still be clinging to us, which is why uh, you do uh, your ritual baths, you know, and um, in fact, I learned, uh, this is an Appalachian thing. When I was a little boy, I learned it. Where you get into the water and you're washing down or in the shower and you're washing down. First, you tap on the water. Uh, two quicks, one slow, like that, that, that. And you say, awaken unto life. Sister water. Ha. Do the ha breath. So the breath reaches the water. Ha. I honor you. I see you. I remember your power your purity to cleanse. I pray you now. I call you now. I beseech you now. Cleanse me of all that is weighing me down. Cleanse me of all that would restrict and diminish me. Cleanse me from that which is girdling my soul. And so then as you're in the water, you, you know, you're washing yourself down and then you, uh, you do something called the scissor cut. And the scissor cut is like this like a scissor you're going down as you're washing down singing <clears throat> see let me get my voice together here water wash the ill away water wash it gone as the darkness gives away comes the rising sun water 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 wash it gone Water, 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 water wash it gone then water wash the ill away water wash and you keep going until you're done cleansing 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 you know and, um, and clearing yourself of that which you do not want, right? And um, I'll also have things like high sips sometimes in there or in any number of the cleansing herbs, but you don't have to. It can be, it can be just the water once you've awakened it, right? Too slow and a, too fast and a cold. Okay, I can't wait to get in the shower, find my headstone, get my bell. Oh, my God, I'm so excited about this new year. Well, you could take the headstone in, too. Did you know the headstone... It has a mouth, right? It has a mouth. So as you're taking the hagstone down in water, you can also ask it to pull pull off of you whatever's pulling on you, you know, and and pull off illness, pull out, and then let that water run through the hole and then pour it down the drain. Also, the hagstones used that way as well. Oh, Isn't this cool? These this is so are cool. All right, now, oh my gosh, I. I yeah, I could listen to you for hours and hours and hours, but I can't. So you're going to have to come back before next year. That's all I know. I just I have to have the Orion moment much more often. because. Thank I'm you. I love being on here. And so tell everybody where they can find you, your books, what you have. I have a shelf full, which I didn't bring over right here. So tell people where they can find you and your magic and read your magic. I'd like to say my website, but one of these days I'll get it caught up. And so it's it's there and it does have a, a contact us. So orionfoxwood.com. That is a way. Um, I'm also on social media a lot. I'm on Instagram 
a, a good bit. And I'm on Facebook um, a good bit. Uh, and so if you contact me there, it's just Orion Foxwood. Um, I'm on there and I do respond. Uh, and I also post workshops. I'm working on a workshop that will be probably over the next week or two. It's going to be soon on magic at the threshold, you know, taking things like we're talking about here and more of it. And so if you're interested in more of that, that would be great. It'll be an online one. Um, and God, I'm doing, and I'm working on the library right now. Oh, uh, that yeah. I'm not ready to open that yet. It's still coming together. But my uh, vision was to create the largest library on folkloric fairy tradition in the world. And I'm pretty sure I've already passed that. And so, um, but I'm also putting in a lot that's old traditional witchcraft, folkloric witchcraft. So stay tuned on that. That's coming together. Now that is not to, uh, there's another library that's already been developed, the New Alexandria Library. And if y'all don't know about it, it is founded and run by some fine, fine witches who I've known for many years. And I intend to, uh, to donate a whole bunch of books over there as well. Uh, this is what I did during quarantine, and then I got addicted, and so I'm still collecting those books. And these books, I don't think anything's younger than 100 years in this collection, because I'm a bit of a, a snob that way. I like the old magics, <clears throat> also because they're easily lost. And there's a lot of things that people think are gone and simply aren't. Uh, not as much was destroyed during, during the Inquisition as people think. Uh, but it was preserved in clever ways. That is so beautiful. Well, you guys, check his books. He's got some beautiful books out. He has got on conjure, on fairy tradition, on all sorts of beautiful things. He's got a, one of the most magical men you will ever meet. And now you've met him. So check him out. Follow him on social media. Do your New Year's magic. And uh, thank you, Orion. I feel like I'm floating. Thank you. Thank you. May all the powers of love encompass you through all nights and through all days and in all good ways. Thank you, Patty. Keep doing this great work you do. To all listening, many blessings to you all. I have nothing to say beyond that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.